Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're going to go right back to By the way, we got a full hour for you. We got Will Dykstra coming up. We got the Blue Quill Angler. Then we're going to do some shotgunning. And we're going to finish the show with Bernie Keefe. You got to stick around because Bernie's always incredible. But let's go to the phones. And speaking of somebody we really appreciate, um, we're joined by Will Dykstra from Tightline Outdoors. And Will, thank you so much for filling in for me while I was on a rigorous assignment last week uh, doing research for my listeners. Oh, you know, Terry, somebody's, I like I said last week, somebody's got to get some work done. And, you know, you had to bite the bullet and get out of the nice comfortable radio studio and get it get out in the field for a change you know it's it's probably good for you so yeah, yeah. I, I had several comments on that post somebody somebody thought the wine glass was maybe not a great good way to catch fish i'm not sure but i did throw a picture well, you know sometimes it allows for a little clearer thinking well so you know i was studying i was studying the water but i did throw a picture right. i did catch redfish off the off the jetties right. down there right. and i threw i threw a picture in there just to prove i actually was working Right, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, I don't want you know because I make these sacrifices for the listeners out there. This is for no personal pleasure of my own, you know. Hey, it's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. Well, so. but and all and all serious, that <laughs> thanks for filling in. You always do a great job. You know, in all honesty, um, you know, people hear me on this radio show almost every week, and we get you guys that are so competent and such great. Uh, contributors when you fill in i think we get different perspectives and different guests and i think it really really helps i know you want to talk a little bit about making adjustments to your fishing especially this time of the year but before we do that i know spinny got hit uh, 11 mile got hit by a terrible storm but the word i'm getting is that everything is back open this morning you know yeah so so spinny opened back up at sunrise this morning uh opened at its typical uh half hour before sunrise like it always does and uh those guys worked really hard to get those roads passable again. I was actually on my way to the lake on, uh, what was that, Wednesday morning, and uh, got a got a got a, an alert saying that the that the park had been closed. And I said, you know what? Let's well, we'll go check it out. And man, it was it was something awful up there. Those roads were were an absolute mess, and uh, a lot of hail. But you know is. We're fortunate enough that we were able to move move over bodies of water and ended up at Terriel Reservoir chasing some big pipes. So, uh, you know, still salvaged today. But, yeah, South Park, uh, South Park area got pounded, and Spinney, Spinney really took took the, uh, the the brunt of that. So uh, the, the dream stream went from, I think, 120 CFS to over 1,000 CFS in a, in a matter of an hour to tell you about the kind of – the uh, kind of flows that they ended up with from that big torrential downpour. And we're going to talk to the folks from Bluequill Angler in the next segment. But before we move on to your tip for us, do you think that storm affected the fishing in those lakes? Is there any runoff issues, mud issues, or is it fishing? Do you think it'll fish fairly well? You know, so so 11 miles, you know, downstream from Spinney, uh, you know, that, that whole drink stream area seems to filter that water really well. I, I wouldn't anticipate too much uh, water clarity issues at 11 mile now spinning is a different story it's, it's you know it's a much muddier lake than 11 mile and uh yeah right now i would i would say expect to have you know at least some stain to that water which you know as fishermen we know there's a fine line between having a stain and uh that that helps you and then a fine line between you know really have to struggle and figure out ways to catch those fish because uh they're kind of 
uh, out of their element, if you will. So, well, and both try tri- and both Trout and Pike rely heavily on vision for for foraging. So we'll we'll have you keep us posted because nobody's been in water. But let's go to your topic. Uh, you your topic today is you you wanted to talk to us about um, small changes to lures can make big differences. Yeah, you know something that that we we're constantly doing on the water, especially on guide trips, is you know we got to figure out what to um, target these fish that are really pressured fish. And whether it's, you know, changing a bait up, changing color up, you know, there can be really drastic changes you can make to your tackle or to your presentation. But, you know, being able to, to, to do this kind of stuff on the fly, on the water, can be a big difference maker. And, you know, with spinny being, you know, muddy like it is right now, it's going to fish a little bit different than it, than it would have if it's, you know, that little clear water. So, Something that I always try to do and pay attention to is, you know, high action style baits, brighter baits, baits that make a lot more noise, um, have a tendency to be more effective. And, you know, sometimes you don't know about lake conditions until you get there. You know, we're fortunate enough now to have things like Fish Explorer and, and you know, the Parks and Wildlife keeps us pretty well updated on, on what these fisheries are like. But, you know, if you're going to a fishery you haven't been to or there's not a lot of information about, being able to change on the fly is key. And, uh, you know, a couple of things I wanted to talk about, you know, it's just tweaking baits. And there's a handful of things you can do to do that. So um, for me personally, you know, when I, I spend a lot of time tweaking my jerk baits, and this time of year, uh, those jerk baits for both pike and trout can be an excellent go to, um, especially when you're talking about power fishing. But if you're talking about post frontal conditions like we're dealing with right now, or even some muddier water, uh, being able to, to change the presentation of that bait just a little bit, not not a ton. You know, you still want to be throwing a jerk bait, but now you got to fish it a little bit deeper. Um, there's small things you can do, and I actually had a really good guest on earlier this year when I hosted the show, um, Joe Booker, uh, uh, an avid muskie fisherman, actually a Hall of Fame muskie angler from Wisconsin, and he and I talked about modifying your baits, you know, as far as changing the bait altogether, whether it's bending the nose down or changing hooks out. And one of the first things I'll do this time of year is I'll start um, looking at these baits that I want to hang in the strike zone a little bit longer. And if I'm fishing with a, with a, a Husky Jack or a Smithwick Rogue or, or something along those lines that suspends but doesn't quite get the depth that I want out of it, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to switch those hooks out. I'm going to put a slightly heavier hook on that bait to make that bait run a little bit deeper. And there's some really neat ways you can do this. So, you know, for me personally, I really like swapping hooks out, not all at once. If I'm fishing a, a three-hook jerk bait, like a like a size uh, 14 husky jerk, um, I'm going to go ahead and start by putting a heavier hook on the front of that bait. And what that's going to do is that's going to make the nose of that bait uh, drop down a little bit more, not be quite so horizontal, and allow me to get more depth out of that bait. But what that also is going to do is that's also going to get your bait um, maybe to slow sink instead of instead of sit, uh, whether it be a perfectly neutrally buoyant uh, bait or one that slowly floats up. Because a lot of these baits actually out of the package will slow float up that are supposed to be suspending. So what this does is it allows me to get more depth out of that bait and allows that bait to hang out in that deeper strike zone a little bit longer. Wait. So these are small things you can do to your lures to uh, your baits that, that make a really big difference. Now the second one is... And then not all jerk baits are made the same, um, but but you know we we throw a lot of those floating rappelas and a lot of those husky jerks, like I mentioned before. And something that's cool about these baits is they're they're run with a through wire construction, and what that means is 
The bait, ha- the bait has one, uh, basically one form of wire that runs through the entire bait that starts at the nose and runs through each hook and then back up the spine of the bait. So that wire is actually something that you can't really break off the bait. You know, something like a Smithwick Rogue, you can't do this with. But what I'll do is if I if these baits don't have as much action as I want them to have, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a pair of needle nose pliers and go to the nose of that bait. And from it being a perfect circle in the front, I'm going to roll it forward, holding it, pinching it tight, and I'm basically going to turn that perfect circle into something that looks almost more like a P. And in doing that, you're going to get a lot wider and a lot more erratic action out of that bait, which can really trigger strikes, especially when we're talking about post-front conditions and especially when we're talking about, you know, maybe some more stained water where these fish need a lot more action and vibration going through the water to, to be able to sense them to, uh, to, to key in on them. So it's stuff like that that, that you can do. You know, a, a lot of guys like using stuff like there, there's a – there's a lead modification you can do that'll get those baits to sink called suspend dots. But honestly, just a regular old uh, roll of plumber's tape can do that too. No, you're absolutely right. You know, another thing about changing the, the weight for a suspending jerk bait is as the water cools, we get towards fall or early spring, the water's denser. And a, a jerk bait that might suspend when the, when it's, uh, when the water's 70 degrees um, might I mean, it might it might rise up when the water's forty degrees or fifty degrees because that water is denser. It changes the density. A lot of people don't realize that, and different different jerk baits are going to react differently. And you almost got to, you know, we always used to tell people first run them alongside the boat, and then see what the action looks like, or at least reel them alongside. But then just reel them down a foot and watch them for a few minutes, see what they do, know what that lure is doing, so you can visualize it. And then when you make that change. When you put that front hook on sometimes, when you make that change, now when you do move it, it has a whole different action as far as more of a walking the dog action underwater too, right? Exactly. And, again, that's one of those things that paying attention to all of your, uh, you know, the minor details, like you said, even water temperature can make that make those baits react differently. But, but more than anything, play with it. You know, every bait's made different, even out of the package. You know, they, they don't all run the exact same so play with it, and I will tell you this much. It, it can be a big, big game changer when you're talking about being able to change on the fly. And something else I'll mention about that that nose modification is a lot of times what that'll do, especially with a floating rapala or floating jerkbait that has that through-wire construction, is it'll actually make that bait run a little bit shallower. So this time of year, we still have baits that are up, you know, running pretty close to the surface at a lake like Spinny. I'll go ahead and bend that nose down and do a straight retrieve to where I've got a bait that's almost a waking bait now that, that stays just above that vegetation in that strike zone. And, again, it's something a little bit different. You know, everybody's fishing with these baits in all these lakes, you know, straight out of the package and sounds and vibrations that these fish get accustomed to. The last one I want to talk to you about, is, and, and I'm doing it right now with my spinner baits, is messing around with a little bit of the shape of those blades that you have. You know, we fish with a lot of Indiana-style blades and a lot of Colorado-style blades on our spinner baits. And just kind of bending the tips down on those on those blades can, can not only change how that bait sounds to the fish or how, that, how they feel that vibration, but it'll also change the lift of the bait and allow you to work that bait slower but higher in the water column. So you're absolutely right. All these little changes are worth the... Worth looking to. Will, 30 seconds. If you were, It's supposed to be kind of rainy tomorrow, but this afternoon is nice. Next week is supposed to be beautiful. If you, uh, if you had one or two days to go fishing in the next week, where would you go? 
you know, right now we've got a phenomenal trout bite going at spring, even with some stained water. Um, we've been catching a lot of fish on tube jigs and jerk baits and spoons, but something that's a great go-to this time of year, especially when you're talking about some stained water, is fishing a lipless crank that's got some loud rattles in it. You know, I'm throwing this uh, Savage Gear uh, fat vibe right now. It's got a lot of a lot of vibration to it and a lot of noise. It comes in a nice bright orange color. I'm catching a lot of fish on lipless crankbaits right now up there at Spinney and 11 mile run and, and, and pike too, for that matter. Um, but I'd say Spinney's fishing great, even with this, this uh, stained water we have up there right now. And then I, I would also say, you know, our front range lakes, Chatfield, the, the walleye bites picking up more and more, and we're starting to see, you know, good numbers of fish. And, and I know Austin talked about it earlier, but, uh, you, you find a lake that's got smallmouth in it right now, you've got a phenomenal topwater bite with, with walk-the-dog-style walk baits as well as some prop-style baits. And, and obviously early in the morning, later in the evening, those are going to be better. But at places like Pueblo Reservoir, if you can find the shad and fish around the shad, you're going to catch a lot of big fish on top. Water. All right. Thank you, my friend. Of course, if they want to get a trip or more information, it's Tightline Outdoors on Facebook and tightlineoutdoors.com. Thank you again for filling in for me while I was rigorously hard at work on assignment. Hey, no problem, Terry. Thanks a lot. Thanks. That Will Dykstra from Tightline Outdoors. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. We're going to be joined by Tony from the Blue Quill Angler, and we're going to talk some fly fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Don't even try to understand. Just find a place to make your stand. You know how much I hate the Eagles. One of my favorite songs, too. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, and we are going to go right to the phones and not and quit. I guess we have to quit listening to the Eagles, but this is important, too, because Tony from the Blue Coel Angler is going to join us, and we're going to talk some fly fishing. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, no problem. Sorry about the delay there. I just love the Eagles. So when he plays it coming in, I always have to listen a little bit. Can't beat the Eagles. Great group. I'll, I'll, sometime when we when I got lots of time, I'll tell you the story about we did the Eagles versus the Beatles thing on this show many years ago. But, you know, Tony, it's been a strange year. Talk about the difference a year makes. Last year, no snow. The runoffs were trickling down in the spring. The rivers got hot. Um, floats were over early. And uh, we were telling people not to be out until the weather cooled out and rest the fish and uh, a year sure makes a difference. This year, we didn't get, we really didn't get summer till the first day of July, and then it got super hot. But we already had a lot of good high flows that had been running. The fish were in good shape. It did get hot, but uh, how is that affecting going into the fall or this time of the year? Or where you would expect to be, or are we in a different place? Yeah, you know that's absolutely right, Terry. You know we definitely have a different year compared to last year. A lot more moisture. Our reservoir levels were quite high. You know, we're finally starting to see things kind of get into a normal level. I know on the South Platte there, coming out of Cheeseman, we're flowing right around 257, which is right about that historical average. And, you know, a couple things with those flows kind of being prolonged um, for those high water, you know, we saw some hatches get pushed back a little bit. And, you know, some things we're really seeing great hatches right now on the South Platte. We're seeing great trico hatches. Um, if you're getting into Cheeseman or the Deckers area, um, the trichos are a great pattern to be using, um, something to pay attention to if you're not real familiar with hatches. Um, but we're anticipating a great fall year throughout our lakes and our rivers um, due to those high waters. And we're finally getting a little bit of a cooler weather coming in 
It's only going to make things better. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that spring and fall, a lot of times you, the people think the insects are going to hatch when the sun is beating down on the water, and some hatches do take place like that. But a lot of times these hatches take place in drizzly cool weather more than any, don't they? Yes, sir. That's absolutely correct. And, you know, definitely some days with that cloth cover is very important um, to kind of trigger those hatches. But at the same time, you know, getting that water nice and warm and having that sun come out at different times of the year can be equally as important. Um, especially as we go into this fall season, as our temperatures and our water levels start to drop, um, you know, that sunlight and that cloud mix together can be a perfect combo for some great dry fly fishing um, starting our fall season off. Oh, you're absolutely right. I do have to ask you, we talked a little bit about Spinney and 11 Mile in the last segment. Spinney, they did open everything up this morning at 7 o'clock. The Dreamstream, though, got a huge I mean, it, it had a tsunami come through. Have you heard any reports yet as to what we can anticipate fishing that in the next couple of days? You know, all I've heard is about the same, you know, through Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Um, I did see that spinning was open this morning. I still think they're doing some repairs um, on some of those roads getting to the Dreamstream as well as those parking lots. Um, I hear that's going to be open in the near future. I don't have an exact time when, but I do anticipate that river still to fish quite well especially get the good break from the public traffic. You know, as you know, um, the brown trout migration will start here pretty soon. And in fact, I've already been hearing about some kokanee being in that river complex. So it's happening a little earlier, um, or a little quicker, I should say, maybe than last year, just kind of with our, um, you know, kind of stranger weather we've had. But, you know, we, we anticipate having a great fall season for some of those migrating fish. Um, obviously, the Dream Team's a great area. Um, kind of close to that area is also Antero. Um, we've been having some good luck out in Antero with our float tube classes and some of our guide trips. Um, and that's another great spot down in South Park that, um, you know, if the Dream Stream's not fishing good, you know, fishing above Antero or even hitting the lakes is always a great option um, in the fall time. Some of those big fish will transition from that deeper, cool water um, to kind of escape the heat to start transitioning and cruising the shallows a little bit. Um, so it kind of offers you a little bit of nymphing as well as throwing some streamers to get one of those big fish to bite here before winter hits. Well, you know, you mentioned the salmon. I used to love take mm-hmm. a fl- I used to love take a fly rod where the dream stream comes into Eleven Mile, and find a place. And I don't even know what areas are still fishable. I haven't done it for quite a while, but I would sit there. You know, and people. Uh, I've never been a big fan of snagging. I know people do that in other places, but going after those salmon with a fly rod can be so rewarding. You catch this big ugly monster looking fish that just gives you a tug and it's so much fun and while you're doing it you'll pick up a brown or a rainbow too and i used to sit there in the dream stream and i would actually feel the salmon running into the back of my leg they're running so hard and when you got one to hit it was so much fun i couldn't agree more you know fishing salmon at that time of year um, offers kind of a unique experience if you've been chasing trout uh, most of the year you know, obviously that rare time in fall, those salmon do enter that river complex. And like you said, they are quite unique looking creatures. You catch those big colored up, you know, red and green, um, you know, kokanee that run out of there. Not only do they fight just like a, you know, pack of wild dogs, but I tell you what, they are beautiful and it's a fun fish to have in your hand, um, given that it's a short time frame, you can target them. Uh, it really is. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on now and what we expect coming up. First, you mentioned the Browns. Uh, of course, the Colorado River is always big for the Browns, not to mention whitefish, rainbows, and everything else. But um, usually get towards fall. We're probably a little early yet in the streamer fishing and then uh, probably some nymphing. Is that what's going on in the Colorado, or is it a little early yet? Yeah, you know, I think we're just getting things started with some of that migration, um, you know, getting a little bit cooler temps up there. 
and definitely have had great river levels all year. So some of those feeder um, areas and those feeder creeks in the Colorado will be great for those early migration spots. And I think just like you were saying, having a good balance between nymph raking and small streamers will definitely get you some fish to the net, no doubt. Yeah, and of course, we get a little later in here, you take those big, ugly rubber leg streamers and you feel like you're bass fishing when you cast the, cast the bank. Are the flows still well enough where everybody's floating the Colorado pretty well? Yeah, you know, we're still taking trips out there. You know, the flows are definitely a manageable float, um, a lot more manageable than they were earlier in the year. Um, but, you know, things are kind of getting to that historical average, you know, in certain spots, getting a little spiny. That river is getting um, dropping levels, but nonetheless still safe and still having great trips out in the Colorado. Now, I want to talk to you about there's a lot of small streams coming into here. You know, we got, we've got Bear Creek and um, Clear Creek, and we've got a lot of these rivers and even parts of the Platte. And we've had an unusual hatch of grasshoppers this year. And one of my favorite fly fishing, whether it's a small stream up in Rocky Mountain National Park or the Pooter or Clear Creek or one of those rivers, is a hopper dropper. And it's a great way for maybe not as advanced a fly fisherman to get out there and catch fish on the surface. Absolutely, Terry. That Right now we've seen a tremendous amount of hoppers due to our heavy moisture this year. A lot of our river banks, kind of river valleys, just kind of overall everywhere, it's been real green. Allows a lot of great habitats for those terrestrials, hoppers, beetles, ants. And two, with our having our high flows, a lot of the times when we have a lot of our rain and a lot of our um, you know quicker rise of the rivers, a lot of those terrestrials will get swept in that complex. And that's been quite consistent throughout the summer months here. Um, other than the last two weeks, it's been a little dry. But we've had that grass for those hoppers to retreat in. And the hopper dropper in Clear Creek or Bear Creek, up in the high country um, is one of my favorite things to fish as well. I think it's pretty easy. If it's something you don't have a lot of the time to maybe get down to South Park or get over to the Deckers area, taking a quick 15, 20-minute drive to Bear Creek or a half hour over to Clear Creek, um, and you have expansive amount of water to fish, hopper dropper is a real easy way to put a bunch of fish in the net and kind of get that fishing bug itched for the day. What's your favorite dropper? Um, you know, certain times of the year, I love a split case PMD, a Mitchell split case PMD. I also love um, Pat Dorsey's bread crust caddis. I love that fly. It's a great kind of heavy fly. It's got a lot of pulsation um, kind of with the material it's tied with. And I think those two are kind of my favorites to drop with. Um, you know, and at, at times I will also drop a leech underneath it too, um, a beadhead leech. And I think certain times of the year, they'll chase those little bit bigger patterns around especially towards the fall months as those fish can kind of sense winters around the corner. Tony, we got to run, but if people want more information or book a trip with you guys, where do they find you? Yeah, absolutely. You can call the Blue Quill Angler or visit us on our website at thebluequillangler.com. You can also follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook and Instagram at Blue Quill Angler. All right, my friend, thank you. Great information. I wish we had more time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jerry. You bet. That's Tony, Tony from the Bluequill Angler. We'll take a quick time out. We come back. We're going to talk some shotgunning. And at the end of the hour, Bernie Keefe on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You know, I'd sit and listen to Dire Straits, but we have somebody important on the phone we better get to. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. And we are going right to the phones where... Joining us from Colorado Clays is Corey. Good morning, Corey. Hi, Terry. You know, Eagles and Dire Straits, I usually listen a lot more, so you must be important. <laughs> I'm touched. Yeah. <laughs> I like listening to them, though, while you're waiting for me. <laughs> yeah, so there, I I just, we have a battle goes on here, Corey. But years ago, we went 
between the Beatles and some of these other groups, and the Beatles lost, just so you know. But The Beatles lost? Yep. The Eagles are the number one band in America. <laughs> All right, enough of that. We'll start a controversy. Hey, <laughs> uh, speak, um, muzzle, muzzle loader season. We've been talking hunting a lot the last couple of weeks. The muzzle loader season is right on us. And this year, a lot of the manufacturers were late getting out their bullets. So a lot of muzzle loader hunters this year have had to go to different bullets and different powder charges. And they're running out of time to get those guns zeroed in. And even if they're using last year's stuff or the same as always, there's always changes and you want to make sure you're sighted in. You're one of the few places that allows muzzle loaders to sight in. Is that right? Are you there, Corey? Oh, yeah. I can hear you now. You're fading out a little bit. Yeah, we do allow muzzle loaders. As a matter of fact, we helped a lot of uh, guests this week with their muzzle loaders. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it opens a week from today on the 14th. Uh, the muzzleloader season opens. And, yeah, we do allow uh, muzzleloaders. And our staff, we actually have two of our range safety officers that kind of specialize in that. And I know for a fact over the last two or three days, they definitely helped a few people get going in that area. So, No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, a muzzleloader is a little more complex. And not that it isn't difficult to shoot other firearms and takes practice. It does. But a muzzleloader is a special piece. And then, you know, having because, well, explain your rifle range and why you can shoot muzzleloaders there. It's, it's, uh, tell people what it's like. So it's an open-air range. Um, it's covered by a really nice shooting canopy on three sides. Um, from the shooter's position forward, it's open air and natural light. Um, so shooters love that. You're not, you know, you're not shooting in a, uh, you know, candlelight environment indoors. Um, we have 100-yard targets as well as 50 yards for, you know, helping our rifle uh, clients get sighted in. Um, we've got a nice sturdy shooting bench in each, in each um, shooting stall. There's a monitor in each stall that shows your target at 100 yards, so there's no need to bring a spotting scope or binoculars or anything like that. We actually have a plastic protective covering over the monitor where you can mark um, if you're using different loads or whatever, you, you know, use a marker and, um, you know, write right on the monitor so you can kind of see where your shots are going. And it works out really well. People just love it. Now, for somebody who can't even get on paper, will it show me where I missed? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we can't work those kind of miracles. However, we do have the greatest staff around, and they are regularly helping people, you know, get you on paper um, so that you can, you know, get everybody pointed in. But, yeah, we've got great staff that will really really be able to help you get on paper. That's well, and in fact, talking about great staff, and I'm just kidding, but talking about great staff, um, you also have some clinics coming on for sighting uh, in rifles and scopes and things that have become really popular. Yeah, so every Sunday starting um, in a week, we will do a rifle sight in clinic um, where our staff will meet with you one-on-one with your rifle to work through you know, what, whatever the issues are, if it's a new scope, a new rifle, just want to make some finishing touches before your, you know, your hunt coming up. Um, they are uh, spaces limited, so we do require reservations for those, um, but it is a one-on-one clinic. It's a great opportunity to, you know, come out to the range and make sure that you have the proper assistance getting everything ready for your rifle. Now, before I let you go, there's one other thing. Dove season started, and there's a ton of doves out there if you go to the right place. Now, JR probably won't be able to find them, but other people will. <laughs> and so, but you could still come out and talk to them. And all kidding aside, again, you got some people out there who love dove hunting, and what a great place to sharpen your shotgun skills. I bet you those guys love it when people come out to talk dove hunting with them. Well, yeah, they sure do. And, you know, actually, it was interesting. This week, we had quite a few people drive out and not shoot. Evidently, they just wanted to do some recon on us. So, we, you know, we give them a little tour, 
introduce them to our staff, show them what we've got. You know, the wobble trap is a great way to continue to, you know, sharpen up your um, skills for dove season because obviously we're in the thick of that now. But, yeah, you know, if you don't want to actually come out and bring your shotguns or your rifles and handguns, just drive out and check us out. You know, we can give you a tour. There's also a great video on our website that will give you a virtual tour, um, coloradoclays.com. That will give you a great overview of everything we have to offer here and all that good stuff. Well, of course, you have all the shotgun disciplines. You have sporting clays, a great course. You have uh, trap and skeet and wobble traps. So, and you, what does it cost to shoot a round of trap? A round of trap is uh, $7.50, that'll give you 25 targets. I, I got to get you guys to raise that price. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. Because I'm going to raise your advertising rates. So you have oh, to. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's such, you know what? Great. It's a great place if you're into the shooting sports. Oh, you know, you've got great people who are passionate about what they do. You want to find passion. Go talk to those guys about dove hunting. You'll, oh, get, yeah. you'll get some passion. Right. And, All day long I hear it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's, it, but, it, but it's just, you know, it's just a great atmosphere. It's a family atmosphere. You're a controlled, safe environment where people can just come out and introduce people to shooting sports or come out and kick the tires out there, look around. There's even a playground attached to the building. Oh, yeah. We're family-friendly. We've got a playground. Um, you know, spectators are welcome, too. Um, if, even if you didn't bring a rifle, if you're coming out with your buddy and he's sighting in or something, you know, you can always, with the proper eye and ear protection, just watch all the different shooting activities we have. Today we have our last uh, registered sporting clays tournament. We've got a lot of people out here just kind of watching uh, the guys shoot in that today. So, oh, yeah, always lots of activity out here. All right. How do they find you? ColoradoClays.com. We are 30 minutes from downtown Denver. All right. Great to have you on, Corey. Enjoy the rest of the day. Okay. Thanks, Terry. Take care. You bet. That's Corey from Colorado Clays. Great, great people. If you're into the shooting sports, stop by, especially shotgunning. And if you need to sight your rifle in, what a great place. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the great Bernie Keefe on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Okay. We know Bernie's going to have to wait for this. This is too good an Eagle song to not listen to some of it. Take it to the limit. All right, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fans. Fan, and we have to go to the phones because one of our favorite contributors here is here. And Bernie, as much as I love the Eagles, you have too much good information for me not to get you bring you up. Good morning. Good morning, Terry. I'm just curious why you played Take It to the Limit right before you have me on. <laughs> well, it was, we certainly weren't going to play Peaceful, Easy Feeling. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. <laughs> Good morning, my friend. It's always great to have you on. Good morning. It's great to be on. You know what? We got a fall bite that's right around the corner. Oh, we do. It's, it's one of my... Uh, it's probably... The time I have fished Granby over the multiple, multiple years I've been here the most, and it's if you want to take somebody fishing to catch fish, when that takes off, that is the time to take it. Let's set the set the stage a little bit, Bernie. Um, you know, Granby, we know it ice fish as well. We'll get some projections from you. Spring fishing, big fish. I used to come up there in spring, fish big fish. You catch fish all summer long up there. But we've had a different year. I mean, the water levels are different. Water temperatures are different. Where do you think we are right now compared to this time in past years? No, I think we're a week, 10 days behind normal. But, you know, 
All it's going to take is a snowstorm, a few more rainstorms like we had last night in the foggy days today that's going to drop that water temperature. It's not going to take a lot. It needs to drop about six degrees. No, more than that. I think it was 65 on the lake yesterday. So it needs to drop about 12 degrees before everything gets started. So, yeah, we're going to need some snow to really make that happen. But you can have that any day now. But the flip side of that is you're going to be able to catch those fish even before that magic temperature because they're going to start staging. And, of course, the the key that people don't know, lake trout can't survive in water very long that's over 50, over. 55 degrees. And they'll, they will, um, they'll start to spawn when it gets below that because they can move shallow. And then that's when you get that great numbers bite, and you still get a few big fish, but that's when you get these huge numbers, and they, they come in places that are a little easier to identify. But you're probably catching fish right now, Bernie. Yeah, we're catching fish. You've got to work for it, and you've got to be patient. You got to, right now the key is I do a lot of running and gunning, but I'm very patient with the spot. I'm letting the fish decide if they want to eat. I'm not just trying to get the aggressive ones um, because nothing's very aggressive out there right now. And they fish are moving towards their spawning areas. I mean, where they are today, they might not be tomorrow. But if you look a little closer to the spawning grounds, they might be there. They're starting to starting to group up around them pretty well. And just because they're being around them doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to bite. You just got to keep on, have patience with this group of fish, and then move on if they don't bite and go look for another one. What kind of areas do you look for? I mean, the, tell people what the spawning grounds are like. Well, the spawning grounds are, in a nutshell, they they like to spawn on softball-sized gravel or bigger. Um, they'll spawn on humps, and they'll fall. They'll spawn on deep breaks, uh, kind of like the dams, the dikes. Those are great spawning areas out there. So if you look at that, you're looking, that's it. You know, the ridges that are rocky, anywhere there's good rock out there, they can be there. Um, and it's yeah, it's basically just rocks. I mean, if you're not snagging on every drop, you're probably not in the right areas. Now, how what kind? Once this fall bite takes off, which we're probably looking at maybe the second weekend in October, we don't know, but we're probably looking like that. What what kind of numbers can people expect to catch? Now, if you go out there. On a good day, I would say a guy that doesn't come up here a lot would have an honest shot at five, six fish a person in the boat. If you're familiar with lake trout fishing and you're familiar with Granby a little bit, then you have a shot of 20 to 50 fish a day in the boat. Yeah, it it really, once you get into it and understand it, and, of course, one of the best ways to learn it would be come up and book a trip. I know you get booked up pretty fast. You have a number of good guys. Do you guys still have openings for that fishing? We do have some openings. I think I got one guy who's full, but I got two more that are not. All right. So how would they book a trip with you, Bernie? Just look me up on fishingwithbernie.com, Facebook, Fishing with Bernie, Instagram, Fishing with Bernie. Um, or you can just give me a call at 970-531-2318. Now, what's going on there right now? I know we're looking forward to this fall bite. You and I love it. And by the way, those fish typically range, we should tell people, 15 to 22 inches is the typical range. But you do get some big ones too, right? 
Yeah, yeah, the big ones. We don't fish for them, so we don't. We get maybe one a year, and it's completely by accident during they're the fall. Spawning, get... I believe in leaving leaving them alone. Right. Um, but once they're done spawning, they move out to the big humps. Then they're, the mud humps. Then they're fair game again. Right. So what's going on right now, though, up in all the lakes in your area? Well, let's start down at Wolford. The kokanee are starting to group up down there. Um, and the bite is pretty good. It's not, we were down there the other day. We didn't do very good jigging, but the trollers were getting them and that's just going to get better any day. Now it's going to be great. And then coming up to Williams Fork, the lake trout fishing is good. Rainbows are starting to get active on the surface to everyone, all the lakes out here. I've been seeing a lot of, a lot of surface activity early and late in the day. Um, the pike fishing, that'll be, they'll be moving shallow, let the water temperature cool down a little bit more at Williams Fork. Then coming up to Willow Creek, the rainbow fishing's getting better from the bank. Um, and Kokanee will be moving shallow up there too, and that'll probably be mid-September when they start doing that. And then Granby, the lake trout fishing's it's you gotta work for it, but it's okay. It's um we're probably doing oh uh, the other day I think we had twenty bites and landed eight of them and they were all 22 to 30 inches, so I thought that was okay. Pretty nice fish, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Monarch, the brook trout are going pretty good. They're going to be moving up in the inlets before the end of the month. Hey, you know, let's and, let's pause there just a minute. That's an underused um, resource, those brook trout. You get towards fall, and they start moving up in those inlets. And is there a prettier fish in Colorado than that? There, they are. They are absolutely magnificent fish. I I love I love running up there and just going and chasing brook trout there. How, Another place people should fish is uh, Meadow Creek for tigers because that's going to be a great fall fishery. Oh, you're right. So when you go after the brook trout or the tigers, how do you like? Do you fly? Do you conventional both? What do you like to do? Uh, if they're in the creeks, I'll like to I fly fish for them. But if they're in the lakes, I'm I'm a terrible fly fisherman. I need the creek to help me out. So if they're in the lakes, I use spinning gear, and I really like to pitch jigs for them and swing, swim back to all flies, little stuff like that. Um, if the weather's right, I might throw a Rapala around, but I don't like doing that very much. I like using single hook little stuff. Yeah. Okay, now I interrupted you. You were going to talk about a few more opportunities up there. Oh, and then Grand Lake, the rainbows are moving in on the shoreline. The browns will be getting good on all these lakes again. And then um, the lake trout, they're, they're actually doing pretty good. Uh, one of my guys was out there yesterday, and I think he told me he had 20-some fish between two guys. And they were all smaller fish, but that's all they wanted to do, and they were really happy. Yeah, so there's still, you know, one of the things about where you're at, there's great opportunities year-round. You might have to change what you fish for or the way you fish, but there's really not a time you can't come up in the Granby area and catch fish. No, no. If, you, if you're looking from Wolford to Grand Lake and over to Meadow Creek, there's no reason you can't go somewhere and have a great day. And do you guide on most of those waters? Well, we guide on, we don't, we guide on Williams Fork, Granby, Shadow Mountain, and Grand Lake. Okay. Um, the rest of them, we just we just go fish and have fun, and we don't mind sharing our information on them. So, other than that, uh, last question: Are the water levels pretty good up there? No, they're still they're still very good. Granby's like four feet below full pool. Uh, Wolford, when we were there, it looked I don't know if it was low. I couldn't tell. I haven't been to Williams Fork, but the last report Randy gave me was it was like 98% full, so it's just a couple feet low. So everything's in real good shape going into the fall, which 
is another reason the fall might be a little later. That water's going to absorb a lot of cool temperatures to cool it down. Yep, you're absolutely. Bernie, we got to run, but if people want to book a trip or just get information, how do they find you? Look me up on fishingwithbernie.com or Facebook or Instagram, Fishing with Bernie. That's the best way. All right, my friend, we need to get on the water again very soon. Hey, you guys have a great fall. We'll talk to you uh, next time we talk. All right, thanks, Bernie. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bernie, always always a trip. And it's talking to people that are a trip and that can, uh, you know, make your day kind of different. Uh, One just walked in the studio, Mr. Dan Jacobs. Good morning. Well, I was listening earlier, and I I heard you talking about how you did a Eagles versus Beatles show a couple years ago. No, it was uh, was, a, we went on for about two years. Oh, so what did you do? You you played both of the Eagles' good songs versus all the Beatles' songs, or what did you do? No, what we, we did is... Um, I had a uh, board op then was a huge Beatles fan. In fact, he works for KG- KYGO occasionally as a DJ. And I argued with him that in the United States, the Eagles were more popular than the Beatles, even though worldwide the Beatles had sold more records. So you were just uh, being uh, obnoxious. No, I you was. Didn't really believe uh, this that. this just, was from the heart. This that. is from the heart. So we did a test, and Karen surveyed every. This is back when they still had CDs. Correct. And Karen did a test of people who had an Eagles CD in their car, who had a Beatles CD, and who had both. And the Eagles won at almost, I mean, at almost a five well, to one. How many good songs do the Eagles have? Hundreds. Two? Three? Two. Two? Three? Are mean, you, how many? How have many? Have you ever, uh, you know, obviously, being my daughter's age and the fact that I had help in forming your youth, you really turned out bad. Well, I just, I mean, tell me. I mean, I mean, we have Hotel California. We have uh, Desperado. I mean, what else? What else do they have? Peaceful, easy feeling. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Take it to the limit. Yeah. Tequila sunrise. Yeah, you're, you're, you're reaching. No. Hey, you know, you know what I was really impressed with, though? So I follow, follow your, your page on Facebook. I knew somebody did. And um, you know what is, there are so many kind people out there because now most of the time it's Karen, but there are so many people they actually catch fish and allow you to take pictures with their fish that they caught. You just you saw my research pictures. Yeah. So I think that's really nice because I know you never catch any fish. Speaking of reaching, are you going to be able to impart any sports knowledge to oh, us? Oh, yeah. We've got CU Nebraska coming up and then uh, the Broncos coming up. But uh, I just I, thought I'm, that was really I'm on, I'm going to really steal nice a minute of, of your show because I have I want to get a quick opinion from you. I want to steal so you don't have a show to do anymore. But I'm really having trouble deciding what the Broncos are going to be. I could see... But they could be a really good team. No. But there's there's everybody thinks the defense is great, but they got a major hole at middle linebacker. We don't know what the offense is going to be, and we have a first-year offensive coordinator. And during preseasons, their special teams were terrible. So I could see correcting maybe one or two of those, but I don't think they can get all three straightened out. Yeah, I think what they're shooting for is they, they really want to be mediocre. They don't want to lose. They don't want to have a losing record. So they've really shot set that bar kind of like that middle eight and eight type range but we'll talk about that coming up and uh uh you know you, you'll have a reason to listen now I, I i i noticed that you glossed over the fact that i was mentioning that uh you you normally pose for pictures with karen's fish so what's your point oh i just thought that was really you know it's, it's really nice that there's all these people out there that will let terry take pictures with their fish so he can act like he caught fish. you know if you go to my youtube channel the best of fishing with terry wickstrom outdoors sure there actually is video of me catching fish. Yeah, staged. Yeah. No, not staged. <laughs>
All right. We're going to get out of here. We'll let Most the, of the time I see Karen catching fish. We'll let, we'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and maybe real sports with Dan Jacobs. I'll listen, and uh, trust me, I'll be critiquing. This is Terry Wicks from Outdoors. Back at our 9 to 11 hour. We'll see you next week on 104.3 The Fan. Just prisoners here.